Well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you here. Thanks for joining us. We have a conviction in Christ the King that uh, every so often we need to have a different kind of conversation. Having someone preach at you is very different than having a conversation with you. Several years ago, we started this thing called Ask Me Anything, and uh, we had this idea. Let, let's put Grant up on the stage with no prep, just his Bible, and fire questions at him live from the audience and see how that goes. Um, and we did that, and it actually turned out uh, pretty incredibly well. And people started saying, we just love that effect of being able to have a conversation back and forth. Then we turned it into Ask Us Anything. My wife, Laurel, has sat up here with me and has fielded questions live and in real time. And then we had another thought. What if there's questions people aren't asking because they don't want their name attached to them? And what if we could be okay with that? So they came up with this concept, I think it started with Brian, called asking for a friend. We put boxes out and were we, were we intrigued with what came in? Over a hundred plus questions, they poured in through the boxes. But here's what you need to know. Brian and I have no idea what's coming. Here we are. We're ready. Drew flew up from Phoenix for moral and spiritual support, which we deeply appreciate. And so we're going to spend the rest of our service today answering your questions. And then 11.15, we're going to do it again. And then, we'll, then we took a whole bunch and we moved into the podcast. And so we'll be releasing even more questions there. We're trying to get to as many as possible. If we don't get to your question, it doesn't mean it's not important. And that's why we do small groups and community groups and classes around here. So you have other places where you can get your questions answered as well. But uh, guys, you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. And ready as you'll ever be. All right. Okay, here we go. And Bri Brian told me this morning that uh, if he gets stuck, we're just going to start in Genesis 1 until we get there. So we'll eventually, somewhere in there, there's the answer. <laughs> That'll, work. That'll work. All right. First question. Oh, this is the perfect one to kick You're off You're actually with. just pulling them out of a bucket? I just pulling them out. I just got a basket. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Okay. All right. They haven't heard these yet, folks. All right, first question. Why did you choose to become a pastor? What a great question to kick off with. Wow. <laughs> he looks at Brian. Yeah. I don't know why he's looking at me. I feel like my story has kind of happened a little bit more like an unveiling. It's not like I was four years old and like I think I wanted to be like a, a pilot or a musician or something, but like... The thing that's been constant for me is I just love people. Like throughout my whole story, I've loved people and I've wanted life change. I've wanted hope. I've wanted joy. I've wanted all these things for them. And then I realized somewhere along the way that I can't actually do that for people, but I can actually connect them to a God who, who can. And so to me, like there's been an unveiling and I feel like God has perfectly orchestrated it along the way where in hindsight, I'm like, oh, I can see what you were doing, God. But honestly, for me, like it wasn't something that like was an aspiration. It was something that I feel like God has faithfully led me to. And honestly, I have a lot of contentment from that place because I know it's not, I don't know, anytime that you really want something like deeply in your courts, like I want this, you have to kind of wrestle with, is this God or is this just me? And so for me, in hindsight, like bringing me to the place that I am, I'm like, that's clearly God because this wasn't a striving story at all. This was just kind of an unveiling of, I love people. I want what's best for people. And I feel like God is what is best for people and specifically Jesus. So that's, that's me. Yeah. How about you, G? I thought uh, I'd be working with cows. Um, <laughs> my dad was a dairy equipment guy. He sold, he had a business for 27 years and I thought I eventually I would get that business. And then one day he just said, that's not the plan. Um, and I didn't expect to be a pastor. So I can say the reason I became a pastor, one of the primary reasons was a kid named Eldon. I was working at a camp called Cedarwood. Had 
was kind of moving in the direction of youth ministry. Uh, I was a youth pastor for more than 10 years. Eldon came into my cabin, um, ended up getting kicked out of camp because I came into the cabin one day and he was holding a knife to the throat of another kid, which will get you kicked out of camp, um, rightfully so. And uh, I spent the day with Eldon while he was waiting for his dad to come and pick him up. And I remember I was sitting in a chair, Eldon was, was, was sitting on the floor and I was just talking to him and I, I, I was talking to him and I did this with my hand. I lifted my hand and he went like that. Whoa. And we spent the whole day together, and then his dad came and picked him up. I could smell alcohol on his dad. As soon as he pulled up in the van, he looked at Eldon, just said, get in the van, and they drove away. Uh, and God said, you've got to do something about that. So that began youth ministry, which then began college ministry, which then began my stint here as a teaching pastor, and I'm really, really honored to do this to do this together. So, How many years is that now, Grant? Uh, so we've been, I've been at CTK for 23, I've been in ministry since uh, 1989, however long that is. So that's a long haul in the same direction. Wow. So, wow. yeah. And you just, don't, you just don't hear about that. You just don't hear about people staying for 20 plus years. Yeah, Bob Marvel and I are, are we're, we're the dinosaurs of Whatcom County. <laughs> <laughs> and we also happen to be really good friends, which is mm. cool too. Well, what I love about both of your stories is that it was a heart before it was a career. I, I, I think what you find in ministry, if you feel drawn to ministry, is that your heart is drawn there before your job is drawn there, and that is God preparing you for that season. I love that that's a part of both of your stories. Yeah, that's a calling. So yeah. good. Okay, we're going to dive into the next question here. Is it okay to hate a leader of your country? I read that the Bible says, love what is good, hate what is evil. Now, Grant, I don't know if this changes your theology, but this person did say they were Canadian. So if, I don't know if that changes your theology, but. <laughs> I'm excited to hear Brian's answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like Marshawn, man. I'm just here so I don't get fined. So. <laughs> Go for it, Grant. Wow. Um, can you read it one more time? Read yes. the top part of it? You yes, probably got rid of it already. One more time, just so I can is it, is it okay to hate a leader of your country? I read in the Bible that it says, love what is good, hate what is evil. Yeah. Hating a person and hating what they may do as far as policy or their character, their integrity, are two completely different things. One has a biblical prohibition against it, which is you are not as a follower of Jesus, allowed, and I use that very strong language, to hate anybody. Now, we, we can hate evil, but what I realize is, is this is where I see this, and we're getting ready to come into another election cycle. The only time I don't like being a pastor is during an election cycle, because let me put this gently, people act like idiots. And, and the Christian church makes a fool of itself because instead of fighting sin, we start fighting each other. And it breaks my heart. Every four years, it breaks my heart how people act towards each other. But I can see someone, and, 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 and I have to make this declaration in my heart. That person is never my enemy. They might be a victim of the enemy, but they are not the enemy. So I'm not allowed to hate them. I may disagree with their policy. I may not like their, 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 their stance on certain things. I may not invite them. But Jesus actually said, through Paul in the book of Romans, and, and that leader at that time was Nero. Okay, right? 
We make jokes on the 4th of July about Roman candles. Do you know what a Roman candle originally was? It was a Christian dipped in oil lit on fire. That's what a real Roman candle was. And Nero took out thousands upon thousands of believers, our brothers and sisters in history. So Paul's writing underneath of that type of leadership, and he says, you need to pray for your leaders. Don't have a heart of hatred towards them. Pray for them. Pray that God has moved uh, or that God moves their heart. Pray, pray that they make godly decisions. Pray that, that, that Jesus would put a, a Jesus follower in front of them to, to help them shape or move their mind. And so is it okay to hate a, a person who's a leader? No, you need to pray for them, love them, and walk along. I'm privileged in this county to sit alongside of a lot of leaders, a lot of political leaders. And we do not share much in common when it comes to policy. But my job is to love them to be salt and light in front of them, to pray for them, and to let them know that that even though I may disagree with your policy, here's what I want for you. I want Jesus for you. Because if you come to Jesus, that changes everything. So that's the heart that we're we're supposed to move towards. So no hate. I love that they're Canadian. God bless you. Um, and, And I think God is just so unbelievably clear about that. Yeah, Brian? God, you're so good at this, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think of, I, I mean, we talked about this in the podcast. Uh, there's this quote that was Mr. Rogers' favorite quote, and it says, there's not a single person in the world that you couldn't learn to love if you just heard their story. And so there's a piece of, there's a human who has the thumbprint of God behind every leader yeah. that we choose to just take and uh, just explain through the lens of all the things that we disagree with, whether that's politics and all the things that you were talking about. But what love requires us to do is actually to enter in and realize that everyone was created in God's likeness and everybody has the thumbprint of God on them. And so honestly, like there's, there's the question of, am I allowed to? But the, the better question is, is always that's going to bring us forward is just like, what can I do to actually see them through that lens? What can I do? And that's honestly one of the things that prayers does as well is it'll soften your heart. It will help you to see the person behind the politic or behind whatever it is that you disagree on. So to me, it all comes down to story and realizing that even the people that we disagree with, like there is goodness in them. And so there's beauty in, in everyone, no matter how much you might disagree with them on. So yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so good, and, and I think whether it's a leader or it's someone you just don't like, praying for those people is a test of whether you believe God can change things. Like, we pray because we believe God can change things and change hearts, and I think it's a huge test of my own faith, of our own faith, to say, can, do I believe God can change this person or this situation? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Why, and it's people, but no, Grant, you don't understand. They're my enemy. Jesus said, pray for your enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Pray for your enemy. That, yeah. that, that's the instruction. Mm. So All right. good. All right, we're rolling. Okay. We got a bunch of questions to get to here. If I can fish them out. How do I respectfully honor my parents who consistently tell me it is wrong to attend church? Mm. Wow. Hmm. You want to tackle? (laughs) (laughs) I was really hoping you didn't turn left there. (laughs) Um, One more time. Read the question one more time so I can think. How do I... Dropped it. How do I respectfully honor my parents who consistently tell me that it is wrong to attend church? I think where my mind would go is honor doesn't look like 
always aligning yourself with. You can honor, you can love, and still um, recognize that people are finite people and their authority and their relationship with you is always um, underneath the relationship that we have with God. And so honestly, like there's, yeah. So to me, when it comes to honoring, like there's all sorts of ways that you can honor and still honor and understand that God's views are higher than even the people in our lives that, that do have that uh, authority over us, like whether that's like familial or whatever, like there's a place where that ends and God is always over it. And so if they are actually asking you to do something that's out of alignment with what God would have for you, you've got to go with God. And there's other ways to honor, but you've got to always go with God, no matter what that person might be saying. So. Yeah, I think to have an honoring conversation with mom and dad and say, look, I, uh, I actually answer to a higher authority than you do. And I'm saying that with all respect that I can. But mom and dad, there's a lot, of, there's a lot worse things I could be doing than going to church. <laughs> So I want to go to church. And right away, as soon as I hear this, I mean, I'm a storyteller and I just think back. I remember a kid, a kid who used to ride his bike for miles to come to youth group on Wednesday nights at Nooksack Valley Baptist Church. And he'd have to leave an hour early to get to to youth group on time because his dad said, I will never drive you to that church. I'm never driving you. So he rode his bike. Wow. Back and forth. Incredible. And what an amazing testimony over time. And the cool thing about that story was eventually dad did start noticing what was going on. Dad eventually came to church. Dad eventually got baptized and all because a kid stayed consistent, which is pretty wow. cool. Mm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty big on, yeah. I'm pretty big on middle school missionaries. I think they're, they're fantastic. And so I think you can have a respectful conversation and say, I do want to honor you because my Bible tells me I'm supposed to honor you. But when you tell me that I have to do something exactly the opposite of what God's heart is, which is that I need to gather with the family of God, then I'm going to choose God's authority. Um, Now, I think the line comes in of what if dad says, you are absolutely not allowed to. Uh, That's a tough line. And hopefully you would have a faith community built around you that would find ways to be able to integrate and walk alongside of you in that. But I think it starts with a respectful, honoring conversation and saying, this is my heart and this is what I want to do. And I'm asking you to reconsider. So honor starts in the conversation, um, asking for an opportunity to come. Well, I love that you both, you both identified a piece of respect, right? That there's yeah, a piece of huge. honor that is respect. And I'm hearing that theme all throughout that, that respect and disagreement changes things right when you when you disagree respectfully whether that's with parents with leaders i I think it all starts with respect and i hear that in both of your answers well i mean scripture says let your conversation always be be seasoned with salt full of grace Mm -hmm. right it also says you know uh, let your gentleness be evident to all the lord is near so when we choose that kind of tone i think it changes the heart of the other person well so good so good okay we are moving on forward Next question, how persistent should you be sharing your faith with someone who rejects Jesus over and over? How persistent should you be sharing your faith? I think you can be persistent in prayer. I think that you can be persistent in not just talking about your faith, but actually showing up for people in a way, because I think there is a difference. Like if somebody is resistant to a conversation, there's other ways to pursue that, you know, like be faithful in prayer. Like you always talk about the grandmas. It's just like throw in the towel. Grandma's going to win. Like just pray, pray, pray over that person. But if they don't want to have the conversation, like 
your pursuit of them and their story and inviting God into it doesn't have to look the way that you think it looks. Like if, they've, if you've had that conversation repeatedly and there's just a pushback to it, I feel like you can show up and instead of just trying to tell them about love, you can be love to them. You can actually show up for them even though like there's a very real um, gap in between what you want for them and what's happening, so. Yeah, and I, I go with that exactly, which is the idea of persistence does not equate the same conversation over and over and over and over and over again. There was a day, you know, I was trained in apologetics back in the day. And so, you know, they used to tell you, this is how you were supposed to do it. You just show up the next time with an answer and seven more arguments as to the ontological uh, existence of God, right? You know, and you're just going to wear them down with your intellect and wear them down with all of these points. No, here's how God exists. And, and here's a new illustration of how the Trinity works. And the presence of God is like the wind and you can't see it, but you can feel it. And, and that's how I was trained. I think we're in a different age when it comes to the absolute need for persistence in prayer, persistence in presence, and persistence in consistency. Uh, you can build a reputation for 50 years of your life and wreck it in three minutes. And people that don't know Jesus are watching for that. How are you going to act when your life goes sideways? How, how gentle are you going to be um, the morning after an election doesn't go your way? Um, I think there's a m incredible moments when we can be persistent in our consistency so that when we're there for people, when, when they do hit a crisis, and everyone in their life will hit a crisis at some point, that they don't turn away from us because we've been inconsistent and hypocritical, but they turn towards us because we're that one person that consistently keeps showing up with the same story over and over and over again. I mean, I look over the audience right now and I see some incredible, I see some incredible witnesses of consistency. Year after year, day after day, just being the presence of Jesus where God has placed you, being faithful, loving, showing up for somebody. I remember a story that you told one time of you were having like just a rough time and somebody showed up with a meal at your yeah. house. Yeah, just showed up. Yeah. Yeah, no, that... Honestly, like that, that's the stuff, man. I think we, we think so much about what we're supposed to say as Christians, but like the best thing that we can do is, is be the people who actually show up for people and express love in ways that like they don't understand, you know, because like talk, I mean, we say this with microphones, but it's like talk, talk on some level is cheap, you know, it's like yeah. people need to be shown up for like love is what changes people, not you talking, not the word love, but the actual act of love. And so what does it look like for us to actually move towards a person in love and have that be our story of persistence? Not that we just keep talking, but that we keep showing up no matter how many times we get turned away. Yeah. Exactly. And I think the beautiful thing about presence that you both identified is presence doesn't require that you know everything, yeah. right? I think a lot yeah. of times we disqualify ourselves from, from reaching people because we may not have all the answers. And the other thing about presence is you can start today. Like you can start being present in a relationship today. It doesn't require that you know all the theology or all the right answers or all the apologetics. You can be present anytime. Yeah. I heard a story last week of a Christ the Kinger who had a really difficult relationship with a coworker and then that coworker's mother passed away and they showed up on the doorstep with a meal and a bouquet of flowers. And this person was, they didn't, they literally did not say a word. They did not know what to say. So they just handed them the flowers and gave them the food. 
and said, I'll see you at work when you're back. You cannot tell me that did not leave a mark on that person's soul. You can't tell me that didn't change something. And so it's just the beauty of it, right? Jesus boiled it down. A cup of water given in my name <laughs> changes everything. When somebody's thirsty, you show up in that way, God does amazing things. Wow. And you just might be the evidence of Jesus to somebody today. Absolutely. Wow, so good. Yep. Okay. I've never heard Christ the Kinger. Is that, that what we call everyone? <laughs> yeah. Or a CTKer. CTKer, I've heard. Christ the Kinger. I'm going to start using that. Are you like going to use that one? Okay. Yeah. Christ the Kinger. When I, yeah. when I first moved to Bellingham, I heard Bellinghamster, and I thought that was super weird. That's so. just wrong. <laughs> I still is. I like it, but it's weird. <laughs> okay. What are good ways to lovingly relate to my adult child who identifies as transgender and bisexual? That's a great question. Mm. And these relational ones are tough. These are always the toughest yeah. ones. Yeah. I think the beauty of it starts with this. Uh, that's your son or your daughter. And Jesus relates to us as sons or daughters when we're, when we're struggling, when we're not struggling, when we're having an identity crisis, when we're not having an identity crisis. And so my first heart goes to the parent and saying you, you relate to them as your son or daughter, which means... They are the object of your love, no matter what decision they may make, even if it's one that's diametrically opposed to where you may stand. So it is that. You are called as a parent to love, to lay down your life, to persistently pray, and to walk alongside. And I believe, you'll hear me say this a lot, I believe there's a way to always hold grace and truth. So we do hold this truth in our hand at Christ the King Community Church, that in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, God establishes a template for sexual identity. It says he made them male or female. We don't believe that is an option or something that's debatable. So we hold to the imprint and the thumbprint of God. I know that's not a, that's not a popular stance in modern culture. What I say is this. We don't answer to our culture. We answer to Jesus this was his plan. We hold to it and cling to it, even when it's hard. But I believe you can hold to that and say, I believe that you were fearfully and wonderfully made as my son. Or I believe you were fearfully and wonderfully made as my daughter. And what I want you to know is this. As you walk through this, I'm not going anywhere. I've seen parents build bridges for the, or burn bridges for the sake of conviction. And I'll be honest, I've never seen it work. I've seen it push people away. But to keep that bridge open to say, I'm going to be here. I'm going to love you. You know where I stand. But I'm always here. No matter what. When you think about it, that's what Jesus did. Right? I lived on the wrong side of that bridge for years. Breaking his heart repeatedly. He never left. That was what I learned. He never left. And so I believe we're called into that same type of a relationship. It may be awkward. It may be uncomfortable. They may pull away from the relationship, but for you to not move is so unbelievably key. I'm here. I love you. You know my heart. I believe God created you fearfully and wonderfully as my son or my daughter. That's the story I'm going to stick with. That's how I see you. And I want to continue this conversation no matter what. This home is safe for you and we're going to continue to walk through it. But I'm also going to be praying that God will allow you to see yourself as he sees you because that's the way I see you. And I think, that's, I think it's important. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like just as humans, like we all 
have the same longing, I think it said lovingly relate to. I think you could fill that in with whatever. And it's like, you show up for people. You, you care for people. You leave them better than you found. Like you said, I think that's so important to say, as I am not going anywhere. Like lay a foundation um, that conversation can be had on, you know, not a, a, anything other than a firm foundation of I am not going anywhere. And so to me, just relating to somebody as a human and just realizing that, you know, like we all like lovingly relating to people looks like showing up. It looks like, uh, encouraging it looks like empowering it looks like actually staying in the conversation with people so yeah I look looking back said. on my life when I was not walking with Jesus the people who loved me enough to stay in relationship with me but also love me enough to say grant what you're doing it's sin it wasn't an accusation it wasn't a judgment it was a statement of truth for me and I look back on them now, and at the time, I was so angry, you judgmental, da-da-da. I mean, it just, but guys like, like, um, guys like David and Charles, they changed the course of my life because they were consistent, and they loved me, and they never pulled away. They always just were there, and I'm so unbelievably grateful. So it may be uncomfortable and awkward, but it's so key that we remain in relationships so that we can, we can be there when that person maybe has a question that they don't feel is safe to ask anywhere else. Well, and I, I, one of the things I love that you said, Grant, is the grace and truth piece. I feel like that's something I've heard from you over and over, but more than that, I've seen it modeled from you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think when we enter into those relationships, it is about daily modeling that. The yeah. grace and truth piece, piece is not something that just comes natural. You wake up and you model grace and truth. Lord, how do I give me the strength to model grace and truth? What do you want me to say? Like those are, those are moments that you wake up daily and you decide to, to practice that. And so as much as I've heard that from you, I've actually seen it modeled yeah. and, and it's been really, really meaningful. It's, I mean, I, I, I say the grace and truth piece all the time and I'm like, that's a Grant Fishbook thing, but because I've seen it in you, not because I've heard it from you. I appreciate that. So I, I get it's invited cool. to sit at a lot of community tables and with people from the gay community, the transgender community, and we'll have these conversations. That they know exactly where I stand. And there are times when I'll ask questions like, why, why did you invite me here to, I don't, <laughs> right? Why? Yeah. And they'll say, um, and I praise God for this. It's, we know you don't agree at all with where we stand or how we live, but we've never questioned whether or not you love us. Wow. It, it, it works. It works. And you can still hold to a biblical conviction and not let go of that. It's not like you are compromising, but, but you're present. So. And, and, and what we're modeling is the kindness and the presence of Jesus, right? Yeah. We, we act in that way because Jesus did first. Like we're modeling, we are ultimately modeling who Jesus was. So, so good. Okay, we got some more questions to get to. What do you think Jesus, oh, this is a good one. What do you think Jesus would love most about civilization right now? What do you think he would like the least about civilization right now? (laughs) (laughs) Here's what I think he would love the least is disunity in churches. Yeah. I read John 17 and I'm like, no, no, no. He called us into unity. Scripture says how, how good, pleasing, and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. So I, that's a big thing for me. That's why we do this thing called pastors praying for pastors. 
I don't know if you know about this or not, but we gather pastors from across the county just to pray for each other. It's fantastic. We do lunch. In fact, we have a business people in our community who pay for lunch every single time we gather. We worship and we pray. That's what we do. And it's fantastic. It's just so good. So what I think he would like least is disunity amongst believers. I mean, let me just say it again because here comes the soapbox. When people show up, I'm waiting in Walmart and they go up and like, hey, Grant. I'm like, hi, how you doing? And I don't recognize them as a Christ the Kinger. Um, hey. <laughs> and, they go, and they go, yeah, we go to Cornwall. We go to the competition. I'm like, <clears throat> in fact, if they say that, we go to the competition. I'm like, you go to the devil's church? That's horrible. <laughs> Cornwall's not the competition. They're family. Yeah. New Song's not the competition. They're family. Yeah. Right? When first reformed in Linden, when Pastor Ryan baptizes somebody, we all cheer. That's the way it's supposed to be. So I think, he, I think he would be, I think it would break his heart over disunity, but we're trying to work in the opposite. What do I, what do I think he would love the most? I think it's the, it's the compassion. I told a story a few weeks ago about seeing a college kid bring breakfast to a homeless friend over by Big Five. I think Jesus would go, oh, yeah, look at that. That's awesome. That's me. That's me with coffee and a pastry. I think he would be so proud. I see that all the time. I think if, if you look at it, Christ the King as a church, I think he would look at our farm and go, oh, just feeding people that can't afford to feed themselves. I think he would be so proud of the farm. And I'm so proud of the farm and the people that work at the farm. I just think it's beautiful. And if you don't know about the farm, you should go out in the commons and sign up and come and help us weed and pick potatoes. So that'd be great. Yeah. And, and the thing that you didn't say about pastors praying for pastors, there's one rule, and that's that you don't pray for your church. You pray for somebody else's church. Yeah. I think. Isn't it that is. right? Okay, that's just making sure you I'm saying it. it right. But, yeah. uh, man, I would say right now, what would God love? I, I, honestly, I do feel like there is... I feel like God would love a lot of the intention, like the intentions of people. But the thing that is heartbreaking is that oftentimes the intentions stop right there and that there's a lot of people who have great ideas, uh, myself included, uh, not the great ideas thing, but like you have a good idea and then it's like, what are you going to do with it? Like a whole series that we're doing. I feel like right now it's easier than ever to have a conversation and people will be like, yes, that's it. And then actually do nothing about it. And so the lack of follow through, especially when it comes to um, those things that God cares about, you know, like I, I feel like God loves, um, God loves the heart of people and loves the intention, but hates the follow through when it comes to so many good, beautiful ideas that just kind of fall short. Uh, and there's so, yeah, honestly, you, I love you, but you took my idea for the first one. Um, but <laughs> I feel like the thing that God, what is it? Is the word hate? Would hate about yeah. society right what now? You, yeah. What do you like the least about? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like it's just the things that we choose to divide over, you know, especially in this last season, I've just seen so many people who have been, had friendships that like have have been instilled for years and they've chosen a, a, a politic or they've chosen a, a, a life decision over a friendship. And I'm just like, that's, that's not right. Like that, like that breaks the heart of God. Just coming back to what does it look like for us to, in our differences, keep the bridges up so that we can have open lines of communication. I think that is honestly what would break God's heart the most is the places where we've chosen politics over people and the places where we've chosen to burn bridges over convictions rather than keeping bridges open so that when the time comes, we can actually have a conversation. Wow. That's good. 
Well, we just did this. We just finished the whole series about action and intention. And I love what Wendy Powell says to what you're talking about, Grant. Wendy always says, when we put action to our intention, we show that we care about the things God cares about. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that's significant. Yeah. Well, I'm paraphrasing James, right? It says, if you do nothing with your faith, it's actually worthless. Yeah. Your faith is worthless. That's a pretty strong word. So it's more than just intentionality. It's we actually have to step across that line and do that work holding the convictions with grace and truth, staying in conversations without compromising. I There's a theme coming up here, Brian. We need to write this stuff down. I th- I'm sensing a sermon series. Here <laughs> okay. Comes. Again, another one. A- a- another one? Is that what we're calling it? Yeah, that's what we're going to call it. <laughs> another, another one. one. Another yeah. one. Coming, coming well, soon I, to CTK. <laughs> to Christ that the King a- is near you. I love that there's a common theme through all these questions. It's almost like they're all in the Bible or something. I almost don't know. Like now they're all that's in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We're going to move to the next question. And it's 1024. So we're okay. Gonna, okay. Got a few more? One more? Yeah. Well, no, let's keep going. All right. Let's keep going. God says, don't worship any other gods but him. What other gods are there? Well, I'll talk about the first one. The God of self. I mean, that's mm. just... You shall have no other gods before me. Let me tell you what, I can make a little G God out of Grant in a hurry, and I do it every single day. Anytime I say the word me, mine, (laughs) yeah, me and mine, that'll stick with those two. I'm making making, um, an idol out of myself. My schedule, my time, my convictions, my opinion, um, my choices, my preferences, my, 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 that... To me, that's the biggest one. So if you're looking for other gods, look inside first. That's the first one that you have to knock off of its pedestal. Um, the second one would be money. I mean, let's face it, we're just, we, we worship and, we, and we're driven by money. I mean, and now I love asking these kinds of questions. So how's the Dow Jones industrially average looking after you these days? Honestly, right? Right? It's a tough one. You know why? You know why it's tough? Because we attach our worth to that. And God says, don't attach your worth to that. That stuff comes and goes. It's just going to disappear. So we're seeing it again. We saw it in 08. We've seen it, we've seen it multiple times. What we're learning again is the God of money will not look after your soul. Period. We need to manage money. We need to be good stewards of money, but it's not what you think it is, and it will not give you comfort. And the second it starts to rattle, everybody freaks out. And that's why it's really good to have a relationship with the God who owns everything, because then you're not in good hands with Allstate. You're in good hands with the king of the universe. So good. God, where does that come from? I love that. Jeez. Um, when you were talking, here's what I thought. I was like, there's all sorts of gods that we create, but there's only one. Like, to actually address the question, it says, yeah. like, what are the other gods? There are no other gods other than the one who created you. But yeah. we make Amen. all sorts of little G gods out yeah. of self, yeah. out of money. Um, one of the, the convictions that just, to me, is, is just evidence that we were created to worship is that all people are worshiping at all the time. Like, like, there's no time of the day that you are not worshiping something. And if you watch a person's life, I love uh, the quote that you say. It's like, show me your pocketbook, I think is what you said. A wallet, whatever it is. Yeah. What is a pocketbook? I don't know. But, well, like, show me your wallet and show me your schedule, and I'll, I'll tell you, you what you worship. Yeah. And so what you worship is what you're creating, like, into what, like, this person's talking about as a god or an idol or something that's out of alignment, and God has to be, and, and like, 
for us to actually thrive the way that we were created to thrive, we have to have it in right order. And those are, I think, the biggest ones is, is, is entitlement and self and then money and then all sorts of the other things. I mean, we could talk about uh, blue and green and, and uh, men in tights and sports if we want Wearing to. Wearing helmets, yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, I'm curious about the scores, I'll be honest, but like here we are because this is... Like th this is the one God who created me and not one of the little gods that I create because I, um, because I do that sometimes. So, well said. Yeah. Well, I remember being in middle school youth group and it being said, you know, any, it's anything you put before God. And I was like, oh, okay, that's okay. Like when you create other gods, when it's anything, anything that you put before God or in God's place. And I remember hearing that and thinking that's nice, but then you grow up and you go, oh, that's true. Like that actually, so. that actually yeah. affects me really deeply. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay, we got a few more. How are we on time, Grant? Uh, let's just keep going. Okay. We're going to go over and not apologize. <laughs> All right. Okay, this is a tough one. Oh, boy. I'm prepping you now. Okay. If I have been deeply hurt by God and feel like he didn't answer at my lowest, why should I give him another chance? First of all, thank you for the question. I would challenge an assertion as gently as I could. And that's an assertion that you're making that God did not answer or show up. Here's what I've learned. There are times when I believed God did not show up for me. He was completely silent. You put a little time and space between it, I turn around and look back and I go, oh, there he was. I just couldn't hear him. I just couldn't hear him. What I know is this, God is always speaking to his children. He's always calling to us in those low places. So just because we didn't hear something or feel something did not, does not mean God was not there in that moment. And why should you give him another chance? Uh, we're getting ready to do a series called Red Letter Questions. One of the questions Jesus asked his group of, of disciples is, are you leaving too? Are you gonna abandon me too? Well, right before that, or right after that, Peter has this moment. He goes, Jesus, I don't have anywhere else to go. I don't, where else can I turn? And, I, and I, would, I would lay this, I would submit this in front of the person who wrote that question. I can speak from experience. I've turned in many different ways to try and get that satisfaction that only comes from knowing God. And I would, I would respectfully ask, where else can you turn? because I'm going to tell you something. Self-help, psychology, inner healing, all of that stuff, it, it has a level of worth, but nothing as much as coming to God. In fact, I would encourage you to go back to God and ask a really, really difficult question. Where were you? Can I tell you something? God's okay with that. He would welcome that conversation with you as long as your heart's open to receiving the answer. Yeah. I don't know, Brian, you've actually preached about this in several different ways at times. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one you're talking about. Um, I was literally going to say I'm with him. That was, I, I think the, the key question or the, 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 the <laughs> okay, let me try that again. The, the key word in that question is feel. You know, like I felt like, uh, because the, the reality that we're talking about is is, is yeah, like actually wrestle with the fact that, that God was there. Like a lot of times we don't feel him and a lot of times we 
don't experience him as answering the questions the way that we want to, but that doesn't mean that he isn't reigning and ruling. That doesn't mean that he's not in control of all the things that are outside of our control. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean that he isn't looking after and tending for us like as his sheep. That doesn't mean that he doesn't love us. And all of those reasons are reasons why uh, if you are willing and just the fact that you're here, I would say like you, you have, like if this is your experience and you've come through the other side and you're asking the question, why should I give God another shot? Here you are. And even if you're struggling, it makes me think of like, dead things don't struggle like there's something there um like there's something that god actually wants to fan into a flame and show you that not only was he there but like he is caring for you and he is faithful and he is all the things that he promises to be and so because of that because it's been true and continues to be true that is why you should not only uh yeah should not only give it another chance but actually see that god has been faithful through it all there it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm fanning the flame. But, but so here's what I remember. You did a message one time about, and it was the question of, he didn't answer the way oh. I thought he was going to. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I predetermined this should have been God's answer. That's actually elevating yourself to being a little G God because I think I know better how God should have answered this prayer request. And I don't want to go all, Gar all Garth Brooks on us, but some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. It's true. So we, we have to be careful not to predetermine yeah. the answer. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was the, the Jesus in the boat and talking about peace. And oftentimes yeah. we don't experience peace because we expect peace to look a certain way. We expect it to look like a day at the spa with cucumbers on our eyes. But what peace is, at least in the story of like actually Jesus in the boat, it's not a calm sea, it's Jesus in the boat with you. And so peace can still look like chaos around you, but it's no Jesus is here and he's above all of it. Well, and sure. so man, a lot of times we miss out on the things that God's trying to do because we expect them to be packaged a certain way. And God doesn't roll like that. He is on another level. And we actually have to identify what's true as opposed to what we think should be true of peace of all of those things, you know, so, yeah. Really well said, that's good. We use this phrase, far from God, every once in a while, and it's yeah. like, you're never far from God, you just have to turn towards him. Yeah. So good. Yeah, I think good. we've got one more in Let's here, Let's do Grant. one more quick. Okay. Yeah, we'll do one more quick. How do we know when we should marry someone? Oh, what a great one to end on. <laughs> For all the single people in the room, yeah. how do we know? How did you know when you should marry Kristen? <laughs> well, no, this one's funny because uh, I, 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 like, had the most clarity about this when we were in the middle of a fight. Like we were literally fighting, had this terrible fight, and in the middle of it, I just had this overwhelming realization that she isn't going anywhere and I'm not going anywhere. Like we romanticize it and like try and make that decision on a, on a mountaintop, but at the, like honestly, a lot of the clearest um, understanding of a relationship that you can have actually happens when you're in your worst fight. And so for me, uh, I always uh, say like it, when we're doing a, a wedding or whatever, it's like, man, we always like take the marriage day and say, hey, this on some level feels like a finish line, but this is the starting line. And so uh, I forget what series it was, but it's like, man, when it comes to figuring out and understanding whether or not you should marry somebody, you have to think about the end in mind. Like you can't think of, is this the person I want to marry? You want to think about, is this the person I want to end my life with like yeah. are our lives in alignment <laughs> are our goals in alignment like are we actually going to be in it for the long haul because honestly it 
it, it matters less how you start and more so how you finish because if it's a 70, 80 year race, like I don't know how, how many years, uh, I, I know that there's some stories in this room that are incredible, but yeah. man, are we getting better? And is there grit? Because at the end of the day, like that is what's necessary. And for me, like that's, that's what it was with Kristen. I just realized, I was like, man, I have no fear. And in past relationships, when things had gotten hard, I was like, man, I feel like this person's gonna bail. But I knew in that moment um, that she was not going anywhere. And that to me is the foundation where it's safe to fight. It's safe and you need to because intimacy is on the other side of those frustrations. So, yeah. So for Laurel and I, I, I would say this. So um, when I look at my wife, I, here's what I see. I see a person who's not afraid to tell me the truth 100% of the time. Katie Steele is nodding her head because you've experienced. <laughs> that's just, my wife's a truth teller. She does that to her closest friends. She will tell you the truth no matter what. She does not buy what I'm selling. She's just like, I don't want, don't give me the guy up front. I'm not interested. Leave your microphone at church. When you're here, I just want Grant. That's a gift. And to actually picture your life with somebody, when you say in sickness and in health, that you actually, that you actually mean that. So I love the end in mind picture. That's just so beautiful. Can you picture yourself sitting on a front porch, swapping dentures? Um, uh, That's the dream. Wrong ones. That's the Um, dream. (laughs) um, But to be able to be together, and we do. We have couples in this church who've been married like 60 plus years. And it's so beautiful. So beautiful. Um, We just uh, did the memorial for uh, for Tony Feller. Ed and Tony were married for more than 60 years. And I learned so much from the two of them. In fact, I'll tell you a super quick but funny Tony story. So Tony, I, I asked Tony, I said, how have you guys, like, have you done this? You're so in love and connected. And Tony said, she goes, so we have this saying in our family. She goes, you are entitled to your own stupid opinion. <laughs> she goes, and out of that came a level of respect that it was okay for us to not be on exactly the same page 100% of the time. And it gave us a freedom to be, for Ed to be Ed and Tony to be Tony. Why does God allow so much evil in the world? I'm so glad that Grant is here to ask, to answer that question. (laughs) You know, the allowance of evil is very, very interesting because there, there is a theology behind it, which is this, God is not the source of evil. So there's evil in the world because we live in a broken world. The Bible says that sin entered through one man, and it doesn't mean we get to judge Adam. It just means we're all, we're all surrounded by people who make, uh, who make evil choices and make good choices. Scripture's very, very clear that none of that originates with God. But while God is not the author of evil, he will use pain, suffering, and evil in order to, to draw people closer to his heart. Because he's the, he's the antithesis of that, right? For everything that's evil, God is, is good, exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even imagine. And so what I hear in a, in a question like that is pain. So someone has obviously experienced some level of evil. What I would want that person to know is that the source of that evil is not from God. In fact, if you think about it, Jesus experienced evil. Crucifixion's about as evil as you can get. It also encompasses pain and suffering. And yet God walked through that. He used the pain for a purpose in order to save all of us, ultimately from all of evil, from all of sin. And so there's a beauty in that pain and in that question. 
And I, I think it's important for us to realize that, that God is not removed. He doesn't just sit back and go, I'm gonna watch how my kids handle evil today. It's like, no, no, no. He actually calls us into a partnership with him because we're never supposed to return evil for evil. We're supposed to return evil for good. And that's what God is calling us to. That's the mission that we're supposed to be on. And that allows us to actually be a part of the healing journey of evil for, for many, many people. Oh, Brian? God, how does he do that? That's insane. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, I mean, where my mind went with the, with the evil pieces is, I mean, this is the byproduct of free will. We get such a gift to be able to actually love because love requires a choice. And so free will, like we needed a choice to be able to choose God and like what a gift it is to have free will. But you know, the byproduct is that like we, a bunch of humans get to do what we want. And a lot of that is not great, you know, and it creates like these evil um, pieces as well. And so how do you engage with it? Like I feel like Grant like absolutely nailed that one. But to me, it's all connected to free will. And then the positive side of free will is that we have the gift of choice and we get to like actually choose God in a way that matters. And that, I, I mean, uh, it's been a while, but um, I think it's so important to understand and to step into that. Like, uh, I talk about it, like, in the context of, like, God doesn't want puppets. He actually wants partners. Like, we get the choice to actually partner with him, uh, and that's such a gift. But, again, on the back end of it, like, all things, like, there's the, the evil is another part of free will because because that's, that's sometimes what we do, even with the best of intentions. And the encouragement over all of it is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Right? And so yeah. that, that's that identity of being able to say we were built to wage war against this evil for the sake of our good God and victorious Savior yeah. who, who's going to lead us in the right direction. And ultimately, I still remember, I was coming to a Good Friday service, hmm. was coming from Barnes & Noble. They used to have a little coffee shop. I don't know if it's still there or not. It was coming across the road. It's a little, little coffee shop called Starbucks, right? <laughs> yeah. Little hole in the wall. Yeah, a little hole in the wall. Yeah. Probably should have, yeah, bought into that at some point. But it's coming across, and a guy on a bike comes over the hill. He's heading down this little Bakerview thing, and he yells at the top of his lungs. Remember, I'm on my way to a Good Friday service. He goes, Pastor Grant, don't forget, we win. <laughs> there it is. So good. In the end, good will triumph over evil. Yeah. And that's what we have to keep our eyes on. Yeah. And we know that because we know God. Yeah. Like, that's the cool thing. I think the cool thing, I love that you identified the heart of this question being pain. Because yeah. I think it's important to go, why am I asked? Why, what is the heart behind asking this question? And then knowing that you can take it to God. Yeah. That you can actually go to God and ask these questions of him and he will answer. Absolutely. So good. All right. Okay. According to the Bible, what would integrity in the workplace mean? What does it look like to have integrity in the workplace? Wanna go first? <laughs> I, I was thinking, you and I both do this thing where we, it's, it's just a dumb joke that we do all the time that we say, well, we looked this up in the Greek and it turns out it means, and it's the exact word that it says. So I mean, to me, integrity in the workplace, like if you look it up in the Greek, like means integrity in the workplace. And where my brain really goes is like, there's, there's, two types of people in this world, you can allow your workplace to dictate the type of work that you do, or you can be the type of person who actually decides. Uh, I was just talking with, uh, oh, what was it? I was at uh, the, uh, talking with uh, the team for Collide, which is incredible, but uh, we were talking about uh, the difference between 
thermometers and thermostats. And a thermometer is somebody who just comes into a room and feels the temperature, and like that's kind of like the temperature that you take on. And then there's thermostats who actually set the temperature. And so to me, when it comes to workplace, like we aren't people who like come in and just like sink to whatever the workplace culture is. If people are just getting away with whatever, that doesn't mean that we do that. That means that we actually go in and we like have like the utmost integrity because of the scripture that talks about, we're not just like, it's not about humans. Everything that we do is unto God. And so it's like, we're called to something that's a higher standard. We're called to be actual temperature setters instead of just people who uh, just look at what a workplace is and just do whatever is there, so. Absolutely. So, so it means... I have nothing else. Okay. That, that was great. All right. <laughs> and he ta- I was going thermostats and thermometers, Did too. You really? That was the first thing in my head. Man, we you should have gone first. We spent too much time together. should have gone first. Yeah. But honestly, I was coming back to that last line, which I loved. We work as unto the Lord, which means I'm, I'm not, I don't work for my boss. I have a higher accountability to the Lord, which means I, I show up early. I work hard. I, I get a fair day's pay for a fair day's work. Um, I don't steal from my employer. I leave things there because it's a sacred trust that they have. I don't contribute to office gossip. I don't, um, I don't waste time for the sake of wasting time. Um, and I think it's important for us to realize that that character stands out today. It's noticeable. And your employer hopefully will appreciate the work that you're doing, which then gives you an opportunity to take on more Authority, And, you know, it's a beautiful thing. One of the reasons we trust you to work remotely is because we trust you, right? We trust Drew to get the, the work done. And if you're experiencing online right now, it's mostly because of his hard work um, and, and being able to fix things live on the fly. And so that kind of integrity, I believe, is rewarded by God. Sometimes it's rewarded here on earth. But, but knowing that you have the approval of what, of what your heavenly boss says is just really, really important. We're called to be above reproach in every single area. Well, and, and part of doing that as a Christian implies that you are a follower of, of Christ, right? And so that decision-making metric, metric is, I know Jesus, and I've read what he has asked of me. And so, so you ha- I think that foundation is so important, knowing Jesus uh, in, in making those decisions is so Absolutely. important. Okay. Next question. Do you have a Bible commentary or study tool to recommend? Oh, wow. Um, so we have one in common that we both use. So, and this is not just a shameless plug for a local company, but I actually really appreciate that. So I use Logos Bible Software, which I believe they have various levels of it. And you can start, whether you're just starting to, to search the Bible for answers or whether you want to go into the depths of Hebrew and Greek and etymology and all that other kind of stuff. But I love that. My favorite commentary set is, they're the Tyndale commentaries. They've been around for years and years and years. There's a different one for every single book of the Bible. They're my number one go-to. That's where I go to first because they're very well balanced, um, more of a conservative leaning, which I'm always going to move in that direction anyway when it comes to a more conservative theology because that's where, that's where I, would, I would put my heart. And so I would use those two significantly. And then some really good study Bibles. I mean, I love my... I still have my 1984 New International Version study Bible that my parents gave me when I graduated from college. I use it. I actually loaned it to Brian for a video shoot then showed up this morning. I'm like, where's my Bible? I feel <laughs> ill-equipped and it'll be back sooner or later. Hope um, so. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and then I've got, I mean, if you look at my office, it's just lots of Bibles laying around because I like to look from different perspectives. 
I, I immediately thought of Logos, then I was thinking of something that's totally free and online. Uh, what is it, a Blue Letter Bible? Oh yeah. Blue like that's such a great place to start if you're just looking for, you know, like word studies, like what does this mean in the ancient Hebrew or Greek? And so that honestly like has such a ton of features and it's totally free, so anybody can do it. And so uh, $0 down. And then uh, honestly, the thing that, that I love as well, it's a slightly different angle, but I love the Bible Project. I don't know if you guys have seen those videos, yeah. but uh, like when uh, I first read through like all the scripture, like it's so fun. Like before you enter into a new book, you know, if you're going into Exodus or Leviticus and like you're about to get into the trenches to like, like what they do is they like tell the story of Exodus or Leviticus and tell you what's actually going on. And it just makes it so much more interesting and compelling for me personally. And so I've learned so much from the Bible Project, which is just down in uh, Portland, like Tim Mackey, I forget what the other guy's name is, but fantastic resource that's also free. And like, it's just a YouTube thing and they're incredible like five to seven minute videos that just give context for the books of the Bible. So yeah, yeah. I'd go there. Well, and the, and the beautiful thing about those resources, especially the Bible project is they make the Bible real to you. I think the best resources are the one that make the Bible come alive, right? Where yeah. you actually see, oh, these are real people with real stories. I'm not just reading words on a page, but, but these are real people. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Here's a CTK question. Okay. How is CTK working to highlight diversity in the church? That's a great question. Um, I think one of, the, one of the ways that we work at that is actually seeking out people who come from different perspectives. And so what I'm really proud of is if you actually look at our staff or, or church council, um, it's a diverse group of people from different cultures, different races, different ages. And I love the fact that we have room to intentionally be listening. And I think that's one of the components that has so been missing in this last couple of years, to be an intentional listener to somebody else's story. Just because you may not have experienced racism does not mean racism does not exist. And to hear someone else share that story, this has been my perspective from right here in Whatcom County. Uh, It's been so unbelievably valued. So we try to be highly intentional. We try to make sure that we're doing a really good job of listening and while, while never ever descending into tokenism, which seems just ridiculous to me, we look at the value of, of each individual person, the story that they're bringing, and the beautiful leadership gifts that God has placed in them. And then we're very intentional to make sure that those gifts have an opportunity to, uh, to be used within the family of God. I love the fact that God is a diverse family. That means we should have a diverse family here at Christ the King Church. And I think there's beauty in all of those pieces. Yeah, and then I think about, like, in the context of what we're we're doing right now, we've got this thing that we're rolling out called Spiffio as well, which is uh, to actually create a space for people who are Spanish speakers to be able to actually engage with service and hear everything that people are saying um, through that lens as well. And I think we're we're just kind of in the the beta, I don't know what to call it, uh, version of it right now, but we're looking to build it out so that more people not only are represented, but have access to, to Christ the King in a way that that they understand it, so. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I don't know if you guys know that or not, but if you are here and you're a Spanish speaker or um, hard of hearing and part of our wonderful deaf community, you can come into the front desk, sign out a tablet if you don't have one. And uh, Brian and I, we send our messages ahead of time. It's as intuitive as it can get at this point, but basically it reads along with us as we're going and then it's translated live and in real time. And our dream and hope is that we not only do Spanish, but that we can start adding other languages as we're going along, because we want to embrace the full diversity of the family in Whatcom County, and that everybody can hear 
in the language that they're most comfortable with. I think those things are beautiful, and praise God for technology that does that kind of thing. Uh, no, it's so cool, and even on the technical side of things, it's been really cool to see the intentional conversations that are happening. Uh, I met the guys from Spiffio. They're translating now. Uh, they're starting to translate into up to 43 languages, which Fantastic. is incredible. And But that all happened here because Joe, our hospitality director, was intentional. The word I caught on with, you said was intentional. Joe said, how do we make this accessible for people who speak Spanish? Yeah. And, and that takes intention. And so I've heard over the years so many intentional conversations. And I love, I love that we've taken that intentionality to, to make that possible. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. cool. It's a great, a great development. So good. Okay. Ooh, long question. Good question. This might be a great one for you, Brian. Agree to disagree. I, <laughs> I see the world getting meaner. I hear the church is shrinking. I thought we were to be the light. Is that light going out? Good question. Don't you look at me too. <laughs> <laughs> the world is getting meaner. My goodness, it feels like it, doesn't it? Um, so yes, everything that you're seeing and feeling like is, is legitimate on some level. Um, I feel, well, I, I feel, I believe um, at the end of the day, I would go to scripture and it says, he's talking about Peter being the rock and he says, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. So to get to the end at the beginning, like is the light becoming dimmer? Uh, it might feel that way, but we know the end of the story. And so it's yeah. not going to. And in this culture, this climate where people are meaner, that means that when you actually show them something different, like it, it's noteworthy. It, uh, uh, honestly, I mean, we talk about this every Christmas and hopefully every weekend, but man, the darker it gets, the more just a little bit of light can, can be seen from so much further away. And so there's an opportunity in the midst of the struggle, and it is a struggle, especially, you know, you think of social media, you think of like all these places where conversations are happening and there's little glimpses of light, but there's also a lot of dark and there's a lot of meat. Um, and so just to, just to say, yes, what you're experiencing is real. Um, but at the end of the day, we know where the story's going to go. Um, and what an invitation to actually show the world something different because it matters and people see it. Yeah. My friend Judd Wilhite is the pastor of Central Christian Church in Vegas. And I'm like, Judd, why Vegas? And that was his answer. In this much darkness, a little bit of light goes a really, really long way. And I think we can actually be hopeful right now. Here's my perspective on the church. It does appear the church is getting quote unquote smaller, but I also believe it's becoming more authentic. I think a sifting has happened. I think people are being called out of a complacent, I just show up at church one hour a week, I do my Jesus time, that's it. And the level and the cost has gone up and with that comes the level of intensity. I'm actually really excited about what God's doing right now because it feels like he's calling out true followers. You know, if you read the parable of the sheep and the goats, both of them have really good quote-unquote Christian intention. One group is actually authentically following Jesus. The other one is doing a cheap religious substitute and Jesus calls them out. He says, you didn't do what I asked you to do. In fact, he says this, he goes, you claim to know me, but I don't know you. I've never met you before. You've never introduced yourself. So I actually am really excited about the fact that while there has been this sifting, out of that has emerged a church that's more on mission, 
that cares more about the gathering, that cares very specifically about the word of God and holding it deep in our hearts, the convictions have become clearer. I think there may be fewer people, but they're not playing church anymore. They are the church. I'm actually more excited about where the church is going now than I ever have been before. And and it's a privilege to actually be a part of it. Yes. Yes. Yes and amen. So good. I I love that you brought up social media. Yeah. Come on. I love that you brought up social media, Brian, because I, I, I think that there's a higher visibility to evil now before as well. Like, I think our perspective gets a little bit skewed, but I would also say this, when I talk to you about our global partners and missions, we have such a limited perspective. I mean, what God is doing, you've seen firsthand the church exploding in other parts of the world, yeah. and, and we don't even get to see that. Yeah, exactly. So we've seen, I've showed you pictures, thousands of Thai believers thousands of Thai believers who don't just come to Jesus, they not only come to Jesus, they are excommunicated from their family, they lose their job, and we've seen pictures of them lined up on the lake coast, ready to go into the waters of baptism, knowing it's costing them everything. It's it's so exciting to be able to be a part of it. Um, Years ago, when Laurel, our global missions director, um, Laurel brought this this project forward of the the community center in Catania. The fact that it's housing Ukrainian refugees who ran from the war right now. Right now. We got to participate in that. The church is. It's exploding in lots of other places. We just need to pray that the United States of America catches up with what God is doing in the rest of the world. Because I'll tell you what, the church may be shrinking here, but it's growing everywhere else around the world, and that's exciting. I mean, that's really, really exciting. Yeah, Yeah, it's encouraging to hear those stories. It's so encouraging to hear those stories. Okay, how do you learn to love someone again after they've caused you significant pain? How do you learn to love someone again We've all caused pain. So I think you can put yourself on both sides of that equation. We've all caused pain. And there's this beautiful thing called grace that I don't fully understand, but I'm so glad it's been given to me and that I have an opportunity to extend it as well. I know that when trust is broken, it takes a long time to rebuild it. In fact, I would say this, uh, one of the ways you do that is is you're in whatever relationship, you're in it for the long haul and you stay committed to it over a long period of time. And you don't just hand trust back over carte blanche. I think you have to actually make a strategic choice every day to say, I'm gonna choose to trust you today because you did hurt me, you wounded me. That takes a huge amount of sacrifice. If you need a good example of that, uh, think about Jesus and us. So we've all broken the heart of God and yet he comes back to us, not with cheap grace, but with grace that cost him everything. And he continues to offer opportunities for us to be forgiven, to walk with him and to grab a hold. So to me, longevity in the relationship, rebuilding trust and then being wise and discerning, is that other person actually are they, are they earning the trust back? Are they continuing the pattern over and over again? And uh, that's a tough question, but it's very human yeah. for all of us. Um, yeah. well, I think there's so many components to it too. Love, forgiveness, trust. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know the context of the relationship that they're talking about. Did, did it say? Is it marriage or anything? Said, how do you learn to love someone that's caused you significant pain? How yeah, you I, I think it, it, it depends on the type of relationship because I think one of the fallacies is that it has to look exactly the way that it looked before. And in mm-hmm. friendships and in, um, in different relationships, you know, honestly, a lot of times we think that love looks like going back to exactly how it was, but you can love somebody with boundaries. You can love somebody from a distance. You can love somebody in different ways. Like, you, yes to forgiveness, to releasing, to doing all those things. And yet, like, I think there is a freedom to explore what does it look like if there is one of these things that's just repetitive and it's doing damage to you as a human like there is permission to explore what does it look like to love in this relationship and it might even look different than it did before yeah and coming to god with that question lord do you actually want me to be in this relationship are you calling me here acknowledging the pain he knows all of the details are you calling me to and, and how do you want me to walk in this i don't think god wants any of us to walk with a lack of wisdom or just to walk in and and you know, keep sticking our hand in the saw over and over again. And so that, that, there, that there's a reciprocal relationship that God calls us into that I believe is so important. But I think it starts with saying, God, what role do you want me to play in this relationship? And that's where all of those levels, you know, those beautiful levels come in. Like, you can love from a distance. Yeah. You can love, let's say it was romantic, but you need to rebuild from a place of friendship. I believe God can give you the grace to well, do that, but yeah, you have to good. decide that's where you want to walk from. And, I, and I, love, I love that it comes back to, you know, the reason Grant and Brian up here can, can respond to all these questions is because you guys have walked with God and asked God a lot of these same questions. And I love that when you really get down to it, it comes back to being able to approach God and ask God those questions and be real. Uh, I think it's so important to ask God those things too, you know, Absolutely. to discern, to, to, because God will give you those answers as well. Absolutely. So good. Okay. Ooh, when do you confront sin in a fellow Christian? When do you confront sin? Well, Brian does it with me all the time. So he just, <laughs> he just walks up and goes, hey, Grant, one more time. Uh, no. Um, <laughs> so f- first of all, it comes back again to asking God a question. God, I see this in my brother or sister, and Scripture tells us that, that we're supposed to not only bear one another's burdens, but we're supposed to love each other enough to tell our brother or sister the truth. Yeah. So I believe the first step is to say, God, I'm seeing this. Do you want me to say something about it or not? Now, I don't know about you, but I could probably make God say, no, I don't want you to say anything most of the time. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Because it's, it can be yeah. self-serving and somewhat self-preservationist. But to ask God, do you want me to say anything? And then how do you want me to address this? And it's so important. I mean, I love this. When Jesus says, you better look at the plank in your own eye first. Okay, God, is this, am I, am I, am I clean before you? Am I seeing this correctly? God, please help me to see this. And may I see it out of a heart of love, not out of a heart of judgment. Anytime we get into that heart of judgment, it just goes so terribly wrong. But if I truly love my brother or my sister, and I see this, and it's doing damage to them, out of a heart of love, then I can approach. So God, do you, this is what I'm seeing. Am I seeing it right? God, have you given me the heart that, you, that I need to see it through and the lens that I need to see it through? And then, God, how do you want me to do this? And then to come from a place of humility and to approach someone. So I've got a friend, his name's Dan, and I learned this phrase from him. It's been so beautiful. Like, 
Grant, could I submit something to you for your consideration? It's not, I see you doing this and you need to knock it off. Well, okay. Um, Maybe not the most effective, but I'd like to submit this to you for consideration. Here's what I see happening in your life, and I believe it's doing damage to you. And I love you so much. I'd love, to you, I'd love for you to consider this. And then scripture also says, once we've done that work, that we're supposed to restore people, and here's the key word, gently. We're supposed to restore them gently. And here's the other key word. We're supposed to restore them and stay with them as they walk it through. You just showing up, pointing at something, and leaving does no good at all. I want to come alongside of you. We're supposed to bear one another's burdens because then scripture keeps talking about at the end of the book of James, we just finished preaching through James. At the end, it says someone who sees a brother and is able to restore him. That's a beautiful, beautiful thing. That's James's heart. We want to bring people back into the family, not from a place of judgment, but from a heart of I love you and I want you to come back to Jesus, not just to us, come back to Jesus. Yeah, I think the when is... Is, is a challenging contextual thing to answer. The, the how is really where my brain went, you know? And, and all the things that he said, I'm just like, yes and amen to that. Like what, where I would go in scripture is just like speaking the truth in love. It doesn't just say to be a truth teller. It says to speak the truth in love. And for me, that love is actually, it's not just like the heart behind it. It actually allows people to receive something from you because truth without love can actually be all sorts of things that are damaging. Truth without love can be gossip. Truth without love can be bullying, but like truth with love, asking the question, how can I best actually hold this in front of you, which is all the stuff that Grant was talking about. That's what love compels us to do. Rarely in scripture does it just say to speak truth. It says, speak truth with love, which means consider all the ways that I could say this, all the ways that I could bring it up in humility. How can I bring this before you with the best opportunity for you to actually receive it and actually allow it to shape who you are? And so to me, that's the the how. And then the when, I I mean, I I really do believe it's like, if that's how you're going about it, then there's never a time that's too soon. There's not, there's what is it? It's never the wrong time to do the right thing. You know, and so oftentimes, at least for me, I can be a coward in this and I can come up with all the excuses Well, they're having a hard week. Well, this is happening and you can just uh, line up a list of reasons why not to engage in the conversation. And honestly, that's something I'm wrestling with and trying to figure out how can I just engage truth with love, but say, actually, now's the time. You know, which is another series of what we did. But now is the time to do that because there's never the wrong time to do the right thing. And if that's truly the place that you're coming from, then, then now's the time. Yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed because I'm married to a truth teller. And here's what's so important about, about how Laurel calls out sometimes sin in my life is I never doubt for a second that what she wants is the best for me. Wow. Like she wants more of Jesus for me in that moment and she sees this roadblock with her character defect a a broken habit she wants to see that stronghold broken so that I can have more intimate relationship with my heavenly father with Jesus himself because when that happens the whole fishbook family wins and so when you know someone is motivated out of love for you there's not much you can't hear from them where you go okay man that really stung and it hurt but thank you Thank you for loving me enough to speak truth to me. Because it takes courage. We need more truth tellers in the world who have that much courage to come and say, I love you so much, I'm not gonna just let this go. I need to talk it out with you because I want God's best for you. I think that's beautiful. That's grace and truth in action.
Well, and I heard someone say recently that the way we do these relationships often reflects how we view this relationship. Yeah. That, that when we do conflict, sometimes we see God with his arms crossed, but God's got his hands open. I, I've been thinking about the scripture all week that says it's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Yeah. That, that man, when we approach someone and we get to confront them in, in love, uh, it, is, it is kindness that will draw them to that repentance. And so, man, even, even the way we do this relationship is such a reflection of the way we see God. Yeah, it wasn't a sin context, but you did this yesterday. Hmm. So we're shooting video together, right? Yeah. And you finally, I was having a hard time, and you finally just said this to me. You said, Grant, can you just, can you just drop the camera, Grant? Hmm. Hmm. Just, just talk. Talk to the people on the other side of the camera. And one take, boom, just like that. Because wow. you were just you're getting in, you're getting in front of yourself. It wasn't a sin issue, but it was really a it was a struggle. And you're just like just drop all that other stuff and just talk. Yeah. And I th- I think God wins every time when we have those kind of conversations yeah. with each other. And, and the real you is the best you, like the real raw honest you for everybody for yeah. everybody. Yeah. Right. And so when it comes to confronting sin, it's like let's have honest conversations. I don't want the I don't want the fake you. I don't want the you that has it all together. Yeah. I want to hear the you that's struggling. The real you is the best one. You bet. So good. Okay. Ah, I feel like I can forgive anyone for anything, but I struggle to forgive myself for my past sins. How do I learn to forgive myself? Which is a perfect question to dovetail on this. Segway, yeah. Uh, yes. I mean, that's, that's the struggle that all of us, yeah. you know, face. So again, it's like, if that's you asking that question, holy cow, yes. Yeah. Please figure it out, write the book, and Grant and I will read it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It, I, I honestly, that's all I wanted to say. Go for it, Grant. No, I like that. <laughs> Grant's that was good. Grant, Grant's going to crush this one. I don't, I don't know. Let me flip it on its head. So God said, forgive as the Lord forgave you. He said, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just, will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. God said, you're forgiven. Doesn't it seem to be a little bit arrogant for you to say, that works for Jesus, but it doesn't work for me? Can I just turn it over and say, no. If the God of the universe who made you and knows you better than anyone has said, when you earnestly say, forgive me, when when, when you say that, he says, yes, white as snow Mm. all gone just off of you Mm. who are we to go back and keep saying it's not good enough for me I'm going to go pick up that dirty mark and rub it on myself one more time I mean the beauty is God has offered it to you receive that now I'm not saying that trite I know believe me I battle forgiving myself Oh, I tell you, personal shame is a weapon I'm very familiar with. I can tear myself to shreds. But every time I do that, I'm not actually believing that God is who he says he is and will do what he says he can do. I have to learn better the character of the God who loves me. And when he says, you're forgiven, I forgive you. I paid for it. It's gone to be able to say that I'm going to receive it for myself. And I'm not coming back to the ugly story again. I'm not what I did. I am who God says I am. He says I'm forgiven and set free. So for the love of God, I'm going to live that way. I'm going to live that way. And that's hard. That's hard for all of us. I I think one of the phrases that, that 
I'm thinking about in this question is I always heard growing up, God wants to use you. God wants to use you. It becomes very easy for me to forgive other people because I'm thinking about how God is using my life, but it's hard for me to give myself because I forget that God wants to walk with me. Yeah. That God actually wants to do life with me, that it's not just about how he's using me in someone else's story, but that he actually wants to be a part of my story. Yeah. And that's one of the hardest things. Yeah, absolutely. I, we, got, I, we got four minutes. Oh, wow. Okay. Are you ready? Uh, well, it, it, real quick, what was the, I'm trying to remember the, the idiom or whatever it is, like the difference between, is it guilt and shame? Mm-hmm. Is it like, I think it's guilt is, is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad because of mm-hmm. what I did. Yeah. Yeah. And so at the end of the day, what you're talking about is just, man, we need to get to the spot where we care more about what God says about us than we do. And so it's less about, man, how do we suppress this and more maybe about how do I actually go about elevating like who God says and recognize, you know, like that, that, you know, horribly crippling lie that is like, you are bad because you did bad. It's like, no, you did a bad thing, but you are all the things that God says that you are. Yeah. So it's an identity question for sure. Wow. Uh, we have time for one more. Yeah, let's keep going. Grant, I think this is a, a great one to end on. How can prayer change things? Isn't God going to do what he intends regardless? How does prayer change things? Well, first of all, prayer changes me. Like when I have to keep coming back and asking, uh, prayer changes me. There's something about that connection. So we experienced this last weekend. I mean, if you missed last weekend, oh, wow. You, so we gave people an opportunity to stand and receive prayer because they were hurting. Physical, emotional, suffering, pain, whatever it was, and people stood up all over, and then this is the incredible thing. People moved towards them, and they prayed, and my email box was so encouraging. Grant, strangers showed up and put a hand on my shoulder and prayed for me. How beautiful was that? So prayer changes me. It changes the people around me. It changes my position, because when I, when I get on my knees and fight like I'm supposed to, it actually builds me up I think prayer is where we actually engage in a conversation like this, but we do it. And can I, can I encourage you with something? Every time you pray, the entire Trinity will show up. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will all show up every single time. And they will engage with you in that moment. How beautiful to think that the God of heaven is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit will show up to hear your prayer, answer your prayer, and have your best interest in mind every single time. So... Prayer may not change a specific set of of life situations around me, but it changes me. And if I have a different perspective on pain, suffering, or something that I'm going through, that alone is such an incredibly beautiful gift. Yeah, Yeah, what he said. Yeah, (laughs) next question. No, that's so good. Honestly, that was was exactly what I was thinking. Like, it does change. We believe that prayer actually changes things and changes culture and changes the atmosphere in a space but also when you talk to God which is what prayer is like actually talking to God actually changes us just as much oftentimes like that's the part of it that we that we miss you know when we're saying what's changing if you're spending time with God you will be changed period and so man the more time that we can spend praying and again like praying doesn't need to be all the positives either and the platitudes it can be like it could be you know like a lot of it is 
uh, like in the Psalms, you know, is, is lamentations. You know, it's like, man, I'm so frustrated, but I'm going to bring my frustrations to God as well. And that changes you too, because it opens up your view of who God is. He's not this person who wants you to put something on. He's somebody who wants you to bring your whole self and he loves your whole self. And so, man, the more time that we can spend with God, I am convinced that that's going to change us. Yeah, I think it's important for us to realize that, that prayer doesn't always have to be this this gentle platitude. In fact, yeah. God loves our honesty, right? Yeah. I read the book of Psalms and David's praying to God and he's like, hey God, have you seen my enemies? Break their teeth. Smock them. I hit him in the mouth. Like knock them off their... I'm like, whoa. And there was some, there's something so refreshing about that. David's just being honest. So that's what me and Grant will be doing on Monday. <laughs> yeah. We'll be Break the teeth of our enemies. Break the teeth of our enemies. But I love that raw honesty that David says. Yeah. And David's praying. It's a prayer yeah. to God. God, I need you to champion my cause here. I'm suffering. It hurts. Yeah. So to come to God with all of that honesty is so beautiful. One more. Real quick. Okay. Well, if all of one that more. is true and we really can approach God, yeah. this is my favorite question. A kid wrote this one. Oh, cool. Can God help me get better at riding my bike? <laughs> I hope, I hope you're in here <laughs> to hear this answer. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So good. <laughs> Brian, can God? Uh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. Uh, but the way that God often shows up is when you fall over and get back up, he's there. He's given you that bike. He's given you the extremities that you need. And so it's through the practice that God is there every step of the way. So will he help you ride your bike? Is that it? Yes, absolutely. But how he does that, it's not about prayer and magically you can ride your bike. It's he is actually going to be there every step of the way. And he is going to be faithful to actually allow you and surround you to develop those skills and Oftentimes, yeah, I, I feel like we under-spiritualize things a lot of times. It's like God is with you in the riding of your bike, and he is the one who's enabling it, and he is the one who's there when you fall over who's going to help you get back up. So, yes. That was my favorite question and my favorite answer <laughs> of the whole morning. That was so well said. Like, I just love that picture. Thanks, Grant. Of, you know, no. I love that. I love that. Yes. Come on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal that. Yeah, do it. Well, they all know now. So. Yeah. But, I mean, when you picture it, right? It's just a mom or a dad. You know, here's your helmet. Here's your bike. I'm going to hold the seat, and we're going we're gonna to keep doing this together until you're ready to go on your own. I just think that's fantastic. So good. What a great way to end. What a great way to end. Yeah. What a great way to end. Love it. Awesome. Awesome. You gonna wrap us up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, again, this is this is a connect weekend. This isn't just us connecting with you by by answering your questions or bringing new levels of questions to your questions. What we hope is that you will actually get connected to this body of believers, this like CTK story. We want you to be a part of it. And so uh, out in the comments today, we've got all sorts of next steps. If you want to get in small groups, if you uh, are wanting to serve, there's all sorts of opportunities. And we have been hoping and praying all week that you would take advantage of them and that you would actually be a part of the church. It's not a, it, it, we aren't called to go to church, we're called to be the church. And so there's opportunities to go connect and be the church. But before before we even do that, we want you to connect with one another. So before you leave, would you actually engage somebody? I know this is scary, but I promise everyone here, they don't bite to my knowledge. Uh, and so will you actually connect with somebody and will you ask them the simple question, when did you first start coming to Christ the King? 
Because man, if we could just understand how our stories are walking out, I just think that there's gonna be beauty there. So let's connect with one another. Let's go connect out in the comments. If you have prayer for anything whatsoever, you can submit a prayer request to prayer.ctk.church. And we're also gonna have a team of people up here at the front. I keep forgetting to say this, but not today. Awesome. Uh, so up at the front, <laughs> there is no prayer too big too small. If you want to just be encouraged, man, I invite you to come up to the front. There's such an incredible team of people who would love to pray for you. Um, so that is what we've got. We are so thankful. We love you. Thank you for your questions. Thank you for listening to us. Just talk through them. Uh, I hope that you were blessed and we, uh, yeah, we say God bless you and we'll see you next week.